Hello, welcome to the Basketball Soapbox. I'm your host, Dan Daly. As always, thank you guys for joining me as we crank out these episodes over the NBA season as we enter the new year. Um, thank you for all the support on the channel, uh, the comments, the likes, um, and the views. Thank you guys for just tuning in. Uh, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe because that continues to grow the channel um, and that shows me what you guys are liking. Um, but as we enter episode nine on the season, we're going to be talking about Obviously, uh, the Lakers' struggles, the Warriors' descent um, in the Western Conference, uh, Shaq's jersey retirement, and a couple items around the NBA. Uh, but let's get started. Let's get started with the Lakers. Um, just obviously on a downward spiral ever since the in-season tournament. Have been 3-10 since the in-season tournament, 11th in the West now um, currently. And they have just been on a downward spiral Uh and I'm not one to sit here and say I don't hate the Lakers. I do hate the Lakers. I love it when they are um, in trouble. I love when they're struggling, their fans. Um, and I'm just not going to say I make memes to make fun of the Lakers. But looking at what the Lakers have been through, obviously they made a big push to win that East in-season tournament, um, $500,000 extra to every other player um, on the team for the winner for the winning team and just looking at what they did there. And it looks like, okay, the Lakers are finding some footing in the Western conference are going to be building up. Um, but since then they have been three and 10 and have been struggling. And I just want to address their fan base in terms of everything that they've been saying in the off season. They said they, they love the additions of Gabe Vincent, especially off that playoff run against the Boston Celtics and his uh, playoffs in general. Last year, they resigned Rui Hachimura, which they said was a must um, they did that for three years, $51 million. They re-signed D'Angelo Russell, um, who Laker fans are kind of hot and cold on. One minute they like him, the next they don't. Um, too inconsistent uh, for the majority. Um, looking at the additions of Christian Wood, Jackson Hayes, all these guys, Torian Prince, um, Cam Reddish, who uh, Laker fans were high on. And they were so gung-ho that all these additions were working and that this was going to work. Um, people have been questioning the lineups and everything like that with the Lakers. And it's like, they're just not a good team right now. And they're kind of stuck in kind of like how they were last season, where they were kind of just in the middle of the road um, on both offense and defense. And that's just not going to get it done, especially in this Western Conference, which has the Clippers playing well, OKC, Minnesota. A lot of those teams that were below are now higher. Uh, the Clippers are healthy so far to start this season. There's just too much influx in the Western Conference for the Lakers to build off that run last year. And last year, we can honestly say now probably that it was a fluke. Looking at what they did against Memphis, who didn't have Steven Adams and Brandon Clark, which I stated, if they, if Memphis had those two guys, Memphis probably would have won that series because of just the size discrepancy between the two teams on the front line. And then they move into the second series where they go up against the Warriors. And obviously they have the size advantage, the athleticism ability over those guys, and the Warriors just aren't the Warriors that they were the year previous. And then with the whole Jordan Poole incident and all that stuff, all their controversy, which I will talk to about in a minute. Um, but looking at that, and then they finally run into the Denver Nuggets, who are just a better team, a well-ordered machine, have size on each position, um, can guard, can defend, can score. And then you have a dynamo like Joker, who Anthony Davis just didn't have an answer for. You're looking at their last season run, and it's kind of like, you guys have supposedly improved this team. You guys have supposedly kept the core together, the, the guys that got things done last year, like Rui, Austin Reeves, uh, D'Angelo Russell, guys that were getting things done for you guys last year. 
And now now this year where more teams are better, improving teams, younger teams are playing better. Um, teams are shooting the ball better than the Lakers, which I'll also get into. But they just haven't been good. But since the in-season tournament, they have only beaten the Wizards, the Spurs, the Hornets, all lottery stud teams that are heading towards the lottery, looking for a lottery pick, looking to offload a bunch of contracts, um, looking to tank, not win games. So those wins aren't impressive for the Lakers. And then they got the Spurs they lost to. They lost to the Knicks. They lost to the Bulls. They lost to the Wolves twice. The Celtics, the Pelicans, the Heat, and the Grizzlies which was an impressive win for the Grizzlies last night. Marcus Smart hitting eight threes, 29 points, lighting you up, former Celtic. Love it. Love it. Love it. But let's get into the details here, why the Celtics, I mean, why the Lakers are struggling, just absolutely struggling, not shooting the ball really well. Outside of LeBron, Davis, and Reeves, the team is shooting 25% from three. And when you have guys like creators that are Austin Reeves and LeBron and Anthony Davis who create uh, defensive attention from the other team, you're going to need guys to knock down shots. And when the team is shooting 25% from three, that's just not going to get it done in the NBA. On any level, that's just not going to happen. Unless your team is just crazy defensive like the, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves right now, you're just not going to get it done. And those guys like Jared Vanderbilt, um, is not shooting the ball well. D'Angelo Russell's not shooting the ball well. Cam Reddish, who they brought in, isn't shooting the ball well. But let's look at the Lakers' big three so far to start the season, especially with the, again, with the Laker fan base. They said they wanted Anthony Davis to play at an MVP level. He's playing at an MVP level, 30.1 points per game, 11.6 rebounds per game, and 2.5 blocks over the last 13 games. He's bringing his A game. He's showing up. He's being healthy. He's staying out there on the floor and playing at a high level. So there's no criticism towards Anthony Davis that could be made. There's nothing that anybody can say about Anthony Davis and his level of play for the Lakers right now because he's doing it on both ends of the court, and the others aren't just keeping up. LeBron James is playing at an all-star level, 25.7 points per game, 9 to 6, 6.8 rebounds over the last 13 games. He's bringing his A game, and it's just like LeBron's impact is still there but just not on the defensive end where he can use his athleticism to impact both sides of the ball to the to the, the lengths that he needs to for this team to win so far. And that's not a knock on him at 39 years old. There's going to be limitations to what he can do at this stage, but he's playing well. And then Austin Reeves, obviously being the third guy that outplayed his contract last year and quite frankly outplaying his contract this year. He's on a team-friendly deal. Um, but 17.7 points per game, 6.2 assists, 4.2 rebounds. These three guys are not the problem for the Los Angeles Lakers. They usually play well. The lineups are pretty good. Um, they all complement each other really well. Austin Reeves is really, really stepping up and playing over a lot of guys who Laker fans had more expectations for um, than Austin Reeves. And he's playing well. LeBron's playing well. Anthony Davis is playing well. But when we look at the others for the Lakers, you got Torian Prince, who's been shooting the ball really well for them so far, 42.6% um, over the last 13 games. So he's shooting the ball. He's doing his job and trying to play defense and things of that nature. But D'Angelo Russell has been a dumpster fire. Kendrick Perkins has said it. Um, Zach Lowe has said it. All these people have said it and pointed out D'Angelo Russell is just not getting it done for the Los Angeles Lakers at 10.1 points per game, 5.8 assists, which is good. But then he's shooting 40% from the field. And a guy who Laker fans and – Laker brass were high on was Cam Reddish bringing him in. He's only averaging six points, but he's shooting 29.6% from the field. Like, that's just not going to get it done for the Los Angeles Lakers. They're going to be a dumpster fire on both sides of the ball until either their shooting improves 
or they find a way to do a trade. And now everyone's saying they should be making a trade. Um, everyone is hinting at Kyrie Irving as a trade uh, asset there um, because of the contracts and how friendly it was and close it was to D'Angelo Russell. And I'm just like, if I'm Dallas, I'm not trading for D'Angelo Russell, especially what I've been seeing, especially after the last couple of seasons, his career, and especially this season, I'm not trading for him. No matter what, even if Kyrie Irving said, if he has to pick another team. Um, looking at the Zach Levine route, which people have been happy about, um, and the Lakers are desperately in need of scoring and a dynamic score, it's most likely going to cost you Rory Hodgemore, most likely going to cost you Austin Reeves. And is that enough for the Bulls, and especially with your low pick count in terms of draft picks, is that going to be enough for the Bulls to trade Zach Levine to you guys just because you guys are the Lakers and you guys need somebody? I don't know if that's enough. And the Bulls are probably trying to make a push for the in-season playoffs. I would try to get as much value as I can for Zach Levine, even though his value has kind of diminished with the Bulls' impressive, uh, with the, the Bulls' improved play over the past couple of weeks since he's been out. Um, I just don't see it from that standpoint of you guys trading for him. They got DeJounte Murray, who's probably going to be out of Atlanta soon at some point. But to me, it's like, is that just the Russell Westbrook syndrome where a guy that needs the ball in his hands, he's a better defensive player, better offensive player at this stage of his career than uh, Russell Westbrook. But when you're looking at it for DeJounte Murray to come in and then play off of LeBron, play off Austin Reeves, it's like, is he going to be able to do that and shoot the ball well enough for your team going forward? Now, I don't know what Atlanta wants. I don't think a Rui Hachimura. I know if there's been ties to people saying that Austin Reeves uh, they would like him to come to Atlanta and stuff of that nature. Um, but from even that standpoint, are you going to do that trade if you're in Atlanta? Or can you get more for Javante Murray around the league where teams need point guards and need the type of guard that he, type of uh, play style that he brings to the table? And I just don't know if the Lakers have anything that teams want right now and can outbid other teams enough to not gut their team one but to hold it up. But the others have been playing so bad for the Lakers. Who knows? <laughs> who knows what you guys are going to be doing? Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they pick it up. They got the Clippers, I believe, on Monday night. So after dropping uh, a game to the Grizzlies there the other night, and it's just like uh, to the Heat the other night, especially the Heat with only Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, I don't see how it gets better for them schedule-wise. I don't see how it gets better for them unless these guys are just shooting the ball really well and shooting the ball out the gym. That's the only way that the Lakers can get better right now currently constructed because the defense is not bad. It's their offense the past couple of years. They just haven't been able to figure out. And it starts with the shooting, starts with the spacing, starts with the playmaking, and they just haven't figured it out as yet for the Los Angeles Lakers. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can turn it around. Um, a lot of trade rumbling, um, rumors and stuff like that, a lot of LeBron sulking, not really talking too much, being upset with the media, being upset with his teammates and stuff like that. So – it's going to be interesting to see where that goes going forward. Uh, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Always, as always, um, keep showing the love. And as we continue into our next segment, um, give me one second. Did that work? I don't know if that's working. Um, but let's go with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, uh, Steve Kerr and the Warriors' descent. Um, as we continue on this season, um, not really playing well this season. Um, bottom feeders out there in the Western Conference. Um, Draymond Green still suspended, and they just cannot get on the right track in terms of this season. And uh, with the recent news right now, with their 10th place in the Western Conference right now, uh, Jonathan Kaminga uh, trying to figure out how he can get more minutes, especially in a game 
where they lost to the Denver Nuggets on a buzzer beater from uh, Nikola Jokic, which was an awesome game on Thursday. But looking at the comments stemming from that, it was leaked to Sham Sharania that uh, Jonathan Kaminga has lost face in Steve Kerr and doesn't know his role on this team and just wants more minutes to play. And looking at it from that standpoint, I have Jonathan Kaminga's numbers there. Uh, 24.4 minutes a game in December, 14.2 points per game, 5.4 rebounds, shooting 56% from the field and 34% from three. Obviously, you want his three up, but to shoot at 56% from the field, that shows that he's playing well next to Steph Curry, playing well in those minutes and stuff like that, and obviously wants more minutes. And that has been something that has been brewing, right? Like Steve Kerr came out after and said, hey, I played 15 years in the NBA, and I've, every year I thought I needed more minutes. And to come out and say that, and I understand where he was going with the, the the sentiment in terms of, hey, yeah, all these role players want minutes. And, I, and he said along the lines that I have to be better or I, my job is to make sure who plays at certain moments and how the game is going and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, I understand that from the general coach's perspective and understanding that. But my issue was in terms of Jonathan Kaminga in that game, right? Like they were up 18 with 539 to go, I believe. Um, and you take Jonathan Kaminga out. And over the course of this, you're blowing the lead. The lead. He was playing well in that game. And you don't put him back in the game as your team is blowing an 18-point lead with five minutes, under five minutes to go. So looking at it from that standpoint, especially in that game, when he has 16 points, was plus six on the field, uh, four assists, five for seven from the field in only 19 minutes. Let that guy continue to play. It seems like he's playing well, right? You have guys like Andrew Wiggins out there who hasn't, hasn't been playing well. He hasn't. That's just the truth of the matter. And right now, Jonathan Kaminga has the more upside than Andrew Wiggins at this point. But to put all your faith in Andrew Wiggins, I don't know if they're trying to boost his trade value. I don't know. But to say that that he deserved to be out there more over Jonathan Kaminga, I don't think that's true. And over the course of Jonathan Kaminga's career in Golden State, he's been up and down with the G League and stuff like that, has always showed flashes of potential. And it just seems like there's some type of reluctancy for Steve Kerr to play his young guys and say that he wants to win games, but then plays against the Denver Nuggets, the defending champions. Your team's under 500 at that point. Um, you have an 18-point lead with Jonathan Kaminga, and then you take him out, and then you don't put him back in. And you're saying your job is to win games. But when you look at that type of game right there, you didn't play to win the game. So what, what, what is it on that standpoint of Steve Kerr saying, hey, I wanted, I wanted to play the right lineups and do what best for his team to win the game. And then one of the best players who's been playing well for you guys over the past couple months, past couple weeks, you don't put him in back in the game. That's crazy to me. That just doesn't make any sense to me. And especially those type of games where it would have been a feel good win for the, your team. And I'm not saying that you guys won in that one or whatever the case would be. But I think Jonathan Kaminga has earned the right to say, one, I deserve more minutes and that he would have impacted that game. And especially the way that he was playing in that game in limited minutes. So looking at it from that standpoint, what are you talking about? And Steve Kerr has been a little questionable with his stuff. Um, playing younger guys, James Wiseman was never in and out. He was always back down to the G League and stuff like that. And it doesn't seem like in the times that he wants to play these guys in a certain way, 
that impacts other guys on the team. Moses Moody, Kaminga, Jameis Wiseman when he was there. And it just seems that this reluctancy to go all in on these young guys and give them as much experience. And a win over the Denver Nuggets is more impressive, especially for Jonathan Kaminga, more important rather than a win over the Detroit Pistons who they beat tonight, 113-109. In terms of 36 minutes, 11 points for him and played 36 minutes versus the previous night, he only played 19. And it wasn't like Jonathan Kaminga was in foul trouble with the Denver Nuggets game. He just didn't play him. But now you play him 36 minutes against the Detroit Pistons? That just seems weird to me. I just don't understand what he's trying to do as the head coach of the Golden State Warriors. And I'm not questioning his acumen. He's a champ. He's a coaching champion. He won as a player as well. Um, was an executive for the Phoenix Suns um, that led them to their success. Dan Tony, Steve Nash, um, Amar Stoudemire, bringing in guys that impacted their team like Boris Diaw, Leandro Barbosa. Obviously, he knows what he's doing in the scheme of basketball. I'm not questioning that. But what I am questioning is what he's been doing for the Golden State Warriors that just have me questioning that part of it. Like, And it started from Team USA as well, where he was talking about, hey, we're going to go smaller, we're going to be sizing. That even coaching mechanism when he wasn't playing Walker Kessler, despite the team not being able to rebound, continuing to play Jaron Jackson Jr., et cetera. And it's just all these things that are looking at Steve Kerr, especially with lineups and what is he doing in terms of winning the game. And I just don't see it. Mismanaging Kevon Looney, only playing Kevon Looney a little bit now. Um, obviously playing Trice Jackson Davis, who has, Day, who has been playing well for them. Um, and it's just weird playing Brzezinski, who has been playing well for them. And it's like Jonathan Kaminga should be a part of that wave. And he is starting and he is playing well. But it's like you played him one game a lot of minutes and then you didn't play him. Like, I don't know what he's going for in handling Jonathan Kaminga. Obviously, they did hash things out apparently. Um, Steve Kerr saying his door is always open. Apparently, they had a talk, whatever the case would be. Kaminga cut his hair. Um, but, yeah, I just feel like it's weird how he's handling Jonathan Kaminga, and I just don't think it's right, especially with Steph Curry, who's struggling right now um, in a slump right now, which I'll get to. Um, 24.5 points per game and shooting 41% from the field. So that, that's not Steph Curry that we used to see, and I talked about that in my last Warriors video. But – just looking at that standpoint from there, it's just like you need people that can help Steph Curry right now because obviously his shooting is not good enough. His efficiency right now over the last stretch of games is not good enough to pull you guys out of that water where in the past his efficiency, his gravity would just pull you guys through those games and you guys would figure it out. This can be the new ushering of the Golden State Warriors with Jonathan Kaminga, a young guy who is athletic that can – be a wing that can play next to Steph Curry and all these other guys playing bigger lineups, play the power forward position. Um, maybe even when Draymond Green comes back and be formidable in your lineups. And he only does that with more playing time. That's the only way I used to say it with the Boston Celtics and Robert Williams. Play the kid, whatever it is, play the kid, play him. And we saw the dividends of that Robert Williams and the boost that he gave the Boston Celtics and the impact that he had while he was there. He was just injury prone. That's the only thing. Um, but with Jonathan Kaminga, it doesn't seem like those problems exist. And give the kid a shot. Play him more minutes. Give him a role in this team rather than just playing him out of necessity because you have to. Seems like there's always been flashes that he can show you what to do. Do that. And especially a guy that can help Steph Curry right now who's struggling. Clay Thompson's struggling. All these guys are trying to find their offense and they're looking around. Dario Sarek has come back. Um, 
it's like, get that guy a chance, man. Give that guy a chance. And just looking at the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry in the slump, not playing really well, and has just been really inefficient um, over the past couple of weeks. And it's just like he's drained, and he's trying to carry this team. He's trying to bring him along. But I think people also forget that Steph Curry is 35 years old, and he's going to need some help at this stage. <laughs> he's not 30. And I'm not saying that Steph Curry is in, in great shape, basketball shape, isn't one of the best in the league right now as a guard. But there's going to be moments in the season where his inefficiencies can't be during a slump right now. And especially when they desperately need wins in the Western Conference, they're 10th. And you don't know how you're going to be able to pick it back up. Now, Clay Thompson has been trying to score a little bit more, and I don't know how that's going to work. He's trying. Steph Curry's trying. They obviously need some help, and I just don't see where they're getting it. Um, it's just not good. And then we got the recent news of Draymond Green recently. Uh, I believe he was with the team, um, talking to the team at least, hasn't returned to basketball activities. But Draymond Green, your frontline guy, has been out as well. So that's not helping your team as well. And then recently, Chris Paul just fractured his left hand. So it's like they're kind of out of options right now. They can't really trade much in trying to figure out what they're trying to do. Andrew Wiggins is the biggest trade chip probably right now. Uh, maybe a Kavon Looney, but it's just like you just don't know which way the Golden State Warriors are going to go, and I just don't see a way that they can improve and get themselves out of this slump consistently in the Western Conference, which has overall been good this year. Um, teams like Houston are scrappy. The Utah Jazz have been on a streak of games, 7-3 and three in the last 10. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies are picking back up with John Moran. They just beat the Lakers and have been picking up. I believe they're five and one with him in the lineup so far coming back. Uh, the Phoenix Suns are trying to figure it out with uh, uh, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, uh, and Devin Booker getting their health situations back up. The Pelicans are feisty. So there's teams outside of Portland, outside of San Antonio, the rest of the West where you guys are, you guys need to win some games. And right now with Chris Paul out for a while, Draymond Green still not back, and this minute's creation, this minutes friction with Jonathan Kaminga, that's something that you guys don't need right now. Steph Curry doesn't need that right now. So it's going to be interesting to see how they pull themselves out of that one. Um, moving on here. Moving on to probably one of my favorite players, probably my favorite player of all time, um, Shaquille O'Neal. Orlando Magic are going to retire Shaquille O'Neal's jersey, the number, yes, retire Shaq's jersey, number 32, on February 13th, 2013, um, becoming the first player in Orlando Magic history to have his jersey retired. And Shaq basically brought me into the game basketball. I'm going to be talking about that at some point, trying to do a boss basketball chronicles of how I got into basketball and just my outlook on the game. But Shaq basically brought me into the NBA in terms of his size in terms of just seeing him dunk everything. That was the first thing I noticed about Shaq. He dunked everything. And I asked my brother, who's that? And he said, it's Shaq. And Shaq dunked everything. I'm from Boston. Uh, War Reebok. <laughs> I actually have the picture here. War Reebok was a, a big Shaq fan. Um, and blue is my favorite color. The Magic War Blue. Um Everything Shaq was just everything as a kid dunking the basketball, being as big, goofy, rapping, entertaining. Shaq was all of that. Um, so just look at that from that perspective. Shaq was just 
everything that brought me to the game. And the entertainment, um, size, strength, dunking, everything, his ability to connect with the fans off the court, things, everything was Shaq as a kid, like everything. I'll go back to that picture. Everything was Shaq. <laughs> NBA Jam was Shaq. Everything was Shaq. So uh, I just that he's he's my favorite player of all time. And to have Orlando finally do that, long overdue. And I feel like in this short franchise, they can afford to do that, especially the impact Shaq had on that franchise and that community down there. And basically putting Orlando on the map for that short time in uh, those four years that he played there. Um, Shaquille O'Neal from 92 to 96, um, 27.2 points per game, 12.5 rebounds, 2.8 blocks over four years, four-time All-Star each year that he was there, and one rookie of the year down there in 92-93 season, along with Lonzo Mourning and those guys like that that he had to battle against. Um, and just looking at how impressive Shaq was and just how – impactful he was i can't speak enough to that of how much shaq was a part of my nba journey as a kid where my fandom really picked up especially i hated when he they lost to um the rockets in the 95 finals i hated the color red because it was the opposite of blue <laughs> i hated alondra one and kenny because they were on the rockets and they wore red and i'm like these guys are bad guys and all this other stuff um but Shaq meant so much to me as a basketball fan because of his impact. And that started in Orlando. And I, I think Orlando Shaq is the best Shaq, even though he went to L.A. and won NBA championships and stuff of that nature. Um, and MVPs in, in, in L.A. and with Miami. And then ventured out to Boston on the, <laughs> in this last year and got there. But just looking at Shaq in Orlando was just so impactful in style and swag. Um yeah, Shaq was the man. Shaq was the man for me as a kid um, growing up. So kudos to Shaq finally only getting his jersey retired in Orlando. Already has it retired in L.A. Um, I believe LSU as well. So just kudos to Shaq, man. That's cool that he's getting his jersey retired in Orlando, and especially on a season where Orlando is playing so well. Um, currently 20 and 15, also tied for fifth place in the Eastern Conference. So that's pretty good. Pretty good for Shaq. Um, awesome for him. And congratulations to the big man, the Diesel. Um, moving on here. Uh, going to be going around the NBA. A lot of stuff happening around the NBA. A lot of notes to have um, around the NBA and just looking at it from the standpoint of all the things happening. A lot of movement in the Western Conference. A lot of these younger teams are now moving up, seeing that how that's happening. Um, looking at how uh, in the Eastern Conference there's a battle now, a gridlock between fourth and fifth place. They got the Knicks at fourth, Miami, Magic, Clippers, and the Cleveland Cavaliers who have just been feisty, trying to figure it out, battling through all those injuries with um, Evan Mobley and Darius Garland. Those guys are both out for them, trying to figure it out, trying to figure out if they're going to trade Donovan Mitchell, um, all that stuff at Cleveland. But I wanted to talk about the Indiana Pacers, who are 20 and 15, obviously tied for fifth in the – Eastern Conference there, but looking at their standpoint of what it was after that in-season tournament run, um, beating Milwaukee, beating Boston, and just getting to the finals and having that feel-good story and how much that meant for the Indiana Pacers, who have been just in lottery purgatory since um, Victor Oladipo got hurt, Paul George um, run there in the mid to ten to in the mid tens there and the two thousands there. So looking at it from that standpoint of what Indiana has been able to bring to the table, 
they started off shaky after the in-season tournament, started off two and six, and it was like, are they kind of like the Lakers having this in-season tournament hangover? They were able to fight out of that, got six straight before they lost to the Boston Celtics right uh, tonight. Um, so just looking at the impressive play of Tyrese Halliburton, giving him a shout-out, um, especially with how they're just playing right now and how infectious his play is in terms of play style, believing uh, the joint being the third player in NBA history to have a 2020 game, 20 points, 20 assists, and no turnovers joining John Stockton and Magic Johnson. So to look at it from that standpoint of what he does on the game, controlling the, the, the possessions of the game, despite how fast they play and how many possessions they create, he doesn't put them in a bad position. So uh, looking at that, that's just hype for the Indiana Pacers. And hopefully they're able to continue, just not against us, just not against the Boston Celtics. They did defeat us in the in-season tournament and turned around and – they got their ass kicked tonight by Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So tough shit. <laughs> tough shit on that, man. Um, but let's go to next, the Charlotte Hornets. It, I, I think it's time to officially tank. And, yes, they're one of the worst teams in the NBA already. I think they only have uh, uh, 8 and 25 on the season. But they need to go further. And I felt like this should, they should have done this last year, especially with LaMelo Ball hurt. Um, and take from Wimby. Yes, they did get, what, the second or third pick in the NBA draft. But they got to go all in. It can't hurt to have more ping pong balls down there in the lottery. So trade Cody Martin, trade Gordon Hayward, trade uh, Terry Rozier, and start building around Brandon Miller, Mark Williams, and LaMelo Ball, who has been their franchise player, who they just signed to an extension in the offseason. So stop wasting time and finally tank. Go all in. Like, this is the perfect time. Like, the community still watches the Hornets and stuff like that. You guys have an infectious couple of players there with LaMelo Ball, uh, Brandon Miller, and Mark Williams. You have that through those three guys at three different positions. You also have Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington. You guys have a nice young core. Continue to add through that. I don't know if they're going to trade the pick or whatever the case may be. But try to get as many ping pong balls as you can. Try to be like the San Antonio Spurs. Try to be like the Detroit Pistons. Like, I understand people saying, hey, we, losing is bad for the game. But this is what this team, these teams need to do in order to compete long term. Find these guys like a Lamella Ball. Find these guys like a Brandon Miller. Find these guys like a Mark Williams, and continue to build their team. That's the only way they're going to be getting it done. OKC has done that, but they traded and lucked up and got SGA. <laughs> so looking at it from that standpoint, continue the continue the tanking. Continue the tanking. Figure out a way to continually tank. Start this rebuild correctly stop trying to hang on and make the in-season tournament and all the stuff like they've been trying to do and just tank just tank that's all you need to do just tank that's all you need to do charlotte just tank please um but moving on to the denver nuggets the stealth champions um continuing to build on the season and just after that big win against golden state where he hit uh nicole Jokic hit the game winner um excuse me, um, hit the game winner. Looking at it from the standpoint of, and they just dropped the game to the Magic after that, but looking at where they are in the Western Conference, no one's really talking about them. And I understand it to a certain degree where you're looking at the Denver Nuggets and saying, hey, they're defending champions. They're going to be there in the end. They're going to be there in the top seed in the Western Conference. But I feel like no one's talking about them. Uh, Nikola Jokic obviously having an MVP season, uh, 26.1 points per game, 11.9 rebounds. In 9.1 assists, he's just a dynamo hitting a game winner at the, at the half-court mark against the Warriors, battling from 18 down. So they're trying to get all those wins and trying to continue to build 
and everyone's looking good. Jamal Murray's coming back. Um, he was out for a month. The Nuggets have survived that. Um, Jamal Murray's coming in, providing a boost offensively. Um, Michael Porter Jr. shooting the ball well and playing well for them. Aaron Gordon um, coming back from that dog incident where he got bit in his face and stuff in his hand and stuff like that and played really well against um, Golden State Warriors. But no one's talking about the Denver Nuggets. No one's talking about them despite the, – and it's the same thing as last year and the other, the other couple, the past couple of years where people have taken their growth for granted and people are obviously looking at Minnesota who's playing well, um, number one defense in the league, playing really well behind Anthony Edwards, Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. OKC, people are talking about them. People are talking about the Kings and what they're doing. People are talking about the Clippers, who I'll talk about in a second, and their ascent. People are still memorized by the struggles of the Phoenix Suns, the Golden State Warriors, and the Los Angeles Lakers, but no one's talking about the Denver Nuggets. Go ahead and mess up again. (laughs) Go ahead and mess up again, because they can look at any team in the Western Conference and beat them confidently. They can look at every team in the Western Conference and say, hey, we can beat you guys. We got the best one of the best players, if not the top three, top two best player on the planet. We got the most dynamic guard, one of the most dynamic scoring guards in the league. And we have size and guys that we're continuing to bring along like a Payne Watson and Christian Braun. And Reggie Jackson has even had a resurgence for this team. Just keep messing around, NBA, and keep not talking about the Denver Nuggets. Keep ignoring the Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference, and they'll make you pay. That's all I'm saying about them. Um, Moving on to the Los Angeles Clippers. And I have been hesitant to give the Los Angeles Clippers credit so far in the season because they have been – they started out, uh, I believe, 0-5 with James Harden when they made the trade and have been game busters ever since. But I have been looking at, first of all, they're 14-2 since the start of December. So kudos for them to handle business and stuff like that. But their schedule has been weak. They have the seventh weakest schedule in the NBA. It was fourth, um, I believe, last early last week. It was fourth weakest schedule in the league. And everyone's trying to say, hey, see James Harden, all this stuff. And we're only going to judge James Harden we're only going to look at James Harden in the postseason. In the postseason. That's the only way we can judge him is by the postseason because everything that he's done in regular season, we know he's going to play well in the regular season. He's been able to put up a lot of stats, been able to do that. And, yes, he is making stuff easier for the Los Angeles Clippers. So we can't ignore that. We can't ignore what he's been able to do with the Clippers during his time there, turning it around, not looking like a clusterfuck as they did earlier in the season. And I think people are overlooking Kawhi Leonard, who has been playing fantastic in these stretch of games and has really been only missed, what, 30 games? He only missed a couple games on the season. Has only missed a couple games on the season. They have played 34. He's only missed four games on the season. So to get that type of productivity from Kawhi Leonard, who has been on a tear this this season, scoring the basketball. Hold on one second. Scoring 29.3 points in December, six rebounds and four assists. And has played nine games, 
has played 30 games on the season. So respect to those guys, and those guys are figuring out a way to play around James Harden and play with James Harden, Russell Westbrook obviously moving to the bench, and Ty Lue as coach. There are bright spots for the Clippers here. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer on the schedule and stuff like that, but what we're looking at, especially we already know Kawhi Leonard can get on the roll. We know what Paul George can do. He got to the Western Conference Finals a couple of years ago, potentially getting that monkey off his back. Um, Russell Westbrook being selfless and moving to the bench. It's all about what James Harden can do in the postseason. And maybe he lucked up and had what? Now he has two other guys that he can lean the blame on if things go wrong again. That's how I'm looking at it so early. Um, But, again, you just got to look at what they do in the postseason. So what they're doing right now is just being building chemistry, continuity. That's what they're supposed to be doing, and they're handling business. So kudos to them for being 14-2 and since December. Kudos to them. But I still need more to be seen. And whatever they do in the regular season, Kawhi Leonard being healthy, that's important. Paul George being healthy, that's important. What are they going to do in the postseason? And we've been waiting. And I've been saying the Battle of L.A. needed to happen a couple years ago, and it hasn't happened. So at what point are we going to get the real Clippers and get them to show up and get them to play? Some point we gotta wait. We gotta see what they we gotta see what they're gonna do. That's a long way to get to April. So the Clippers right now, we keep an eye on them, but we'll wait until playoff time. And moving on to the my last piece here, uh, Giannis onto the Kumpu and uh, Victor Wembyama is must see TV. These guys had a duel on Thursday night. Um, the first game of the night, after uh, the first game of the night, before Joker's big game winner against the Golden State Warriors, looking at Giannis versus Wimbenyama, these guys marry each other a lot in terms of size and, 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 and being foreigners and stuff like that, France, Greek, all that other stuff like that. But looking at it from the standpoint of how Giannis was in the game when he came in the game, just a raw player at that point in time. No, no, not really much skill, kind of like just athletic using his athleticism and how he's grown still using that athleticism, but now using strength along to go with that and looking versus Victor Wimbiano, who's so much more polished as a player coming into the league, but still has that defensive prowess on that side. And it's just like to see how these guys marry each other a little bit and just how they came into the game. This was a duel that we want to see all the time, man. And just kudos to and, and just again, Giannis being so raw and as a just unknown as a player to see it, Victor Wimbanyama, who's polished, um, polished offensive game, can block shots and stuff like that. So to see this matchup actually happening, and I said to people, it's gonna be interesting to see how that weight plays a role when people keep saying beefing up and stuff like that in the NBA and people need to put on weight, et cetera, et cetera. And the first thing I was saying when Chet Holmgren, when Victor, when Binyam were getting drafted, and I'm like, that doesn't matter. We just got to see how they play against Giannis. And to see Victor, when Binyama battle Giannis, yes, Giannis had 44 points, 14 rebounds and seven assists. But that late play in the game, I believe it was under a minute to go, and Giannis went to the basket and tried to dunk it, and Victor, when Binyama stuffed him. And Giannis tried to bully him, used his elbow, and tried to go up over him, and Victor Wembanyama blocked him. So I think that's all we need to see how Victor Wembanyama is going to do in the NBA and just stay healthy, knock on wood. 
but just to see how he's going to do in the NBA, he had 27 points, nine, nine rebounds, but five blocks on the game. This guy's a rim protector. He gets after it. He chases guys down. He's His game is going to get scary. And I don't know. San Antonio's not trying to win. They're trying to throw away the season. Okay, whatever the case may be. Maybe they're trying to get uh, Alex Shaw out of uh, Perth, out of Australia, and match these guys together if they can. Maybe that's what they're trying to do. Um, but looking at it from that standpoint, it's just like Victor Wimbyama and Giannis, two specimens of this nature, two guys that can really give it on both ends. I love it. It was an awesome game, even though middle, um, Milwaukee won 125-121. But it was just awesome to see these two guys go at it. And, um, yeah, well, I hope there's more of it. I hope there's more of it. I hope we get Chet versus Wimby again. They're in the same division, same conference. So hopefully we get to see that more and more again. So um, NBA just having a lot of things happen. The Boston Celtics are the best team in the league right now. Um, the Clippers are 14-2, and two, as I talked about. We're going to see what happens with Atlanta. Philly um, and Joel Embiid having an MVP season. Tyrese Maxey playing really well for them. Uh, the New York Knicks adding OG Ananobi, who I talked about last week. Um, I believe they're 4-0 with him in the lineup. So that's an improvement for the, the New York Knicks and kind of separates themselves into that mid-tier. But I just – I just think they're in the same spot. Um, looking at it from that standpoint, Oklahoma City beat the Celtics. I was highly upset about that, even though the Celtics battled back in that game. Um, but it was a good game. It was an awesome game, one of the better games on the season. Um, OKC just continued to take strides. SGA is a problem. J-Dub, Jalen Williams, Chet Holmgren, those guys are a problem in, um, down there in Oklahoma City. Um, trying to figure out what's happening with the Suns. Bradley Beal comes back, and then he's in and out. Kevin Durant has missed the past couple of games, so – Devin Booker's been the one holding it together down there so far. Houston just beat Milwaukee tonight. They're 18 and 16 on the season. Who would have thought the Houston Rockets would be above 500, let alone beating above 500 teams? They're playing really well, um, five and five in the last 10, but trying to figure it out on the road there. Finally, what? They are three and 10. I believe at one point they didn't have a road win. So finally getting a road, couple road wins there and here. Good for the Houston Rockets. Uh, the Utah Jazz are finally somehow winning 7-3 in the last 10. I don't know how. But John Moran, keep watching the Memphis Grizzlies. Do not give up hope. They're only, what, looking here five games back of the play-in. So it's not as far-fetched as they can make the playoffs. So everyone who was shutting the door on the Memphis Grizzlies, keep it open. Keep it open. Keep it open. Um, but that will do it for this episode of – I just knocked that water bottle now. But that will do it for this episode of the Basketball Soapbox. Thank you guys for joining me. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. As always, um, thank you. Um, thank you for so much support on the channel. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, thank you.